Welcome to Thinking Outside the Vault. I'm Andrew. And I'm Jessica. And today uh, we're going to do the first episode in a series that we're calling Steal This. We're going to talk about innovative ideas from other companies and how you can steal them for your institution. This week, I wanted to talk about an idea that I've been seeing used in more campaigns lately. And it's the idea of CSR, or Corporate Social Responsibility. And basically, it's when a big brand builds an entire campaign around a social movement or trying to change some element or injustice. Cool. Okay, yeah. I feel like I see a lot of examples of this like during big events, like maybe Super Bowls, award shows, those kind of things. Yeah, definitely. In fact, I read something not too long ago that talked about how in the last Super Bowl, uh, it had the most commercials built around CSR um, of any Super wow. Bowl. So it is an increasing trend for sure. That's so, yeah, I, I think every year I watch them and I'm like, oh, I don't know what product they're selling, but this is very <laughs> moving. <laughs> Maybe that's not like a good commercial then. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's like a Dodge truck in it. So <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> um, so one example that I want to look at is an example actually of what not to do. Um, it's a campaign that caused a lot of controversy and it was done by Pepsi. So go back to uh, 2017 and there was a lot of protests going on around the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, basically, they were trying to send a message that uh, there was a lot of social injustice and police brutality going on um, and there need to be some pretty serious reform uh, going mm -hmm. on with the police movements. And yes. one of those big protests took place in Baton Rouge. And there was a photo that uh, has now been called taking a stand in Baton Rouge. But basically, um, there was a woman standing there looking very stoic. And there's these police officers dressed in riot gear running up and arresting her. So fast forward a couple months later, and Pepsi releases a commercial on YouTube. It's a short video. Yes. And you might have seen it. It, it wasn't on YouTube for very long. It only lived on YouTube for 24 hours uh, before it got taken down, but it definitely made a big impact. Yeah, so, I definitely remember this. Uh, I'm, yeah. You can't see me, but I'm cringing uh, as we're talking about this. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, but basically, the scene of the video is this. Um, you have Kendall Jenner at a photo shoot, and she's wearing a blonde wig. And then it goes to a rooftop, and there's a gentleman playing a cello. And then it cuts to a woman and she's a photographer and she's looking through some of her photographs and kind of has a look on her face of like, well, I'm not really thrilled with this. And it rotates to the three of those. And in between each shot of those three people, um, you're seeing a, a view of the street. And, you know, a lot of younger people, millennials are coming to the street and they're carrying signs that say things like love and peace and mm -hmm. join the conversation. So you can you get the impression that there's this protest forming or some sort of um, march happening. But it's very nondescript, right? They're mm -hmm. not actually having any sort of message other than just generic things like love. So Kendall Jenner is looking out the window. She sees these people forming. And she takes off her blonde wig and she runs out to the street and she joins this movement. And they continue to go down the street. And then you see the guy who is playing cello. He, he packs up his instrument, puts it on his back, and he joins this march. And uh, the photographer, she runs out to the street with her camera and starts taking photos. And then in a, a Baton Rouge-style moment, <laughs> the, the uh, protest meets this line of police officers. And Kendall Jenner comes from the crowd and hands a police officer a Pepsi. 
And Ugh. in that moment, the photographer takes a photo and <laughs> that's that's the end of the commercial. <laughs> that's yeah, I remember how the outrage about that. It's such it talking about it, we're like, oh, that's such a bad idea. It's it's interesting it got that far. Yeah, well, I think that that's what you get when you look at just data points mm -hmm. and then you try to make something that you think that audience would like based off of just data, right? Yeah. Uh, so think about it. You know, you could do a study. It would say oh, millennials are socially active and they want brands to be socially active. Well, of course, yeah, that's a true actual fact. So I could see yes. why Pepsi would say, let's go ahead and make a commercial that demonstrates this because it'll resonate. Mm -hmm. And then you could probably look at another data point that says, Millennials find uh, the Kardashians to be an influential family. All right, let's get Kendall Jenner and put her in there. <laughs> um, and you know, they, they just kind of basically made this commercial with big data and AI, and all of these little pieces combined together make no sense. Right. So people hated it. People hated this commercial, and it uh, Twitter erupted with criticism, uh, basically saying it was completely tone deaf, that it made light of the struggle and the sacrifice of the. Um, Black Lives Matter movement, and you know that it was trying to cheapen what was a powerful photo. Um, that photo taking a stand in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. So it was on for 24 hours. They took it off of YouTube, but the damage was already done. Uh, you know they were being ridiculed on Twitter, and the stock prices actually dropped by four percent. Wow, that is crazy. That was taken down so fast. Even just hiring Kendall Jenner to be in the shoot had to have cost them. Uh, tons of money, right? So much money. I, I think I saw something that just uh, even like a sponsored Instagram post by one of them cost something like $500,000. So to have her in a commercial, you know, what, yeah, a three minute shoot, yeah. which must have taken multiple days to shoot. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine the cost that it that oh was my gosh. incurred for that. So it was definitely an expensive mistake, not just for the production value, but uh, the brand damage. And of course, you know, obviously losing 4% um, off their shares. So, so is there is there a way to if you want to get on get in on this like CSR action is there a way to do it right and to not have that happen to you Sure absolutely I think the real mistake that Pepsi made was sort of what we alluded to earlier which is that they didn't approach it from a place of authenticity mm -hmm. they approached it with the intent to sell and to try and mimic something that would resonate with this audience as opposed to taking an actual stand Mm -hmm. So let's look at some examples of businesses that have used CSR successfully um, to build a campaign. And I think one that jumps to my mind instantly is Nike. Mm -hmm. um, so you might remember uh, 2016 again, Colin Kaepernick, uh, he was the quarterback for San Francisco. Mm -hmm. He was the one who started um, sitting down during the national anthem at the start of football games right. in order again to sort of protest this uh, police brutality and, and racial injustice. And that obviously uh, came with a lot of controversy. Um, you know, President Trump called it out. There mm -hmm. became a, a hashtag that was boycott the NFL. And there was some serious impact on, in terms of the number of tickets that were sold for these games. He, you know, revised that. He started taking a knee, and then other teammates started joining him. Other teams started taking this on, um, and again, it was just causing a lot of problems for the NFL. Well, what happened was, at the end of the 2017 season, his contract wasn't renewed, and it doesn't take a huge leap to say, well, you know, his contract didn't get renewed because he's causing all these problems yeah. and he's causing all this controversy, and so really he 
you know, sacrificed his career in the NFL for a social belief that he had, right? Right. Yeah. So Nike uh, goes ahead and makes him the face of a campaign, and that that did have some controversy. You know, I remember seeing on Twitter yeah. people taking their Nike gear and setting it on fire yeah, or ripping it. off the the patches. Mm-hmm. Um, but they knew that again. They knew from the data that they their core audience were people aged eighteen to twenty seven. Mm-hmm. So this millennial audience cared about social movements, and they actually approached it in an authentic way. They saw a social movement that um, was related to their brand, that they knew their audience cared about, and they took a real stance. They put something in the game. You know, they had the um, some clout that would help the movement, yeah. and they also had something to lose by taking that stance. So I think that that is a good way to do it by finding an issue that really matters with your audience mm-hmm. um, and then putting some skin in the game, uh, helping to contribute to that movement so that it gets closer to its ultimate goal. Um, I think that's the authentic way to do it. And um, that's the only way that you'll find success with it. Yeah, that campaign definitely seems like it has more of a point of view than the Pepsi one for sure. Yeah. And again, you know, we could see the success of it in the, um, stocks, you know, stocks for them went up. And in fact, the next day they sold something like, um, $6 billion worth of Nike. Wow. Gear. Yeah. So it was an insane, That's crazy. let yeah. me check that real quick. Cause I don't, if this is wrong, <laughs> just edit this out. Let me check for one second. Cause that seems like 500 a billion. <laughs> sold $17 trillion. Wow. That's it crazy. Completely eclipsed the GDP. <laughs> oh. What a great ROI. Oh yeah. 6 billion. No, hey, right. you got it. Yeah, so <laughs> in response to this, <laughs> uh, in response to putting Colin Kaepernick as the face of this campaign, uh, their online sales jumped by 36%, which uh, earned Nike $6 billion. Wow, that's really amazing. Before that even happened, people knew that Colin Kaepernick was going to be the face of this campaign, and marketing experts were saying that this was going to be a disaster. Um, they had seen what it had done to the NFL sales uh, mm-hmm. of tickets. And so like, this is going to happen to you, Nike. You guys are idiots because it's just too controversial. And it was. It was definitely controversial. It was a calculated risk and it paid off for Nike. Yeah. But there's another way, I think, to um, embrace CSR in a way that's not as controversial, but is still just as authentic. And I think that's following the example that Domino's had with their paving for pizza campaign. Right. So that's the main campaign that we wanted to talk about in this episode that would be uh, kind of an ideal campaign for community financial institutions to steal. Um, So their new initiative is called Paving for Pizza. Um, You might have seen commercials about it. I get commercials for it on Hulu all the time. And basically the idea behind this campaign is they were noticing that potholes in communities around the country were affecting the safety of the pizza. So they decided they were going to go into these communities and start patching up these potholes to one, deliver better pizza, and two, to improve the community. Uh, So right now they've done it um, in a few communities around the country. I think the first four they started with were Burbank, California, Bartonville, Texas, Milford, Delaware, and Athens, Georgia. Uh, So yeah, I really like this idea because they, it's on a much smaller scale than the ones we were just talking about. Um, it doesn't feel like you need Kendall Jenner money to improve something in your community like this. So they're they're doing good by their community and they're kind of getting their name out there and helping um, sell their product a little bit more. Yeah, I want to say um, 
that I, when I was reading about this campaign, it actually started with a budget of something like $100,000 wow. to fix the potholes. Obviously, they spent more getting the commercials yeah. out there, but they were just going to use $100,000 worth of grant money to, uh, or, they, or they create $100,000 worth of grants to fix these potholes in different communities. But it was such a success that they you know, kept it going. And it won't end until the consumers kind of stop showing interest. In fact, if you go to the landing page, it says, you know, we're not going to stop until you tell us to or something to that oh, effect. I like that. So they're continuing this campaign because it's just been such a huge success. Um, but you're right. You know, there's nothing controversial about this right. campaign. <laughs> there's no one out there who's saying, you know, forget you, Domino's. I like my potholes. Like, I'm never eating the Domino's again. Lobby. That's not... Yeah, right. Like no one's wanting more potholes. Um, so it's a way that they are addressing a serious, I mean, I, I don't know. I can think of the worst road in Houston, which is where I'm recording this from, and I hate going down it. And there's not a single time that I drive down it and can avoid the potholes. And right. uh, you know, I don't think to myself like, I hate this road. Yeah. And so they're actually picking something that matters to this community um, that'll better the lives of their consumers and, uh, you know, again, is not causing controversy. They can do it in a very, very safe way um, and, you know, build some of that brand clout of being socially responsible. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we got to thinking about maybe some ways that community financial institutions could kind of take this idea of improving your community and helping out the people in it uh, and what you guys can do on your scale. Um, so a lot of things we've seen is that uh, some CFIs, community financial institutions, donate to nonprofits in their area or local causes. Um, but also a lot of them, if you have like abandoned buildings in your community, neglected parks, graffiti, things like that, you can sort of sit down and plan how you could make an impact there um, and how you can help out in those areas. Anything that is an annoyance in your community or anything that you know yeah. your customers are fed up with becomes an opportunity to... Uh, do good for your community, but also to align your brand with, um, you know, a, a movement or some sort of social reform. Right. Totally. Um, another idea that I really like when I was uh, just thinking about, you know, what would help me in my community is uh, providing financial resources, maybe to younger people in your community who didn't really get like a financial education and aren't really uh, proficient in financial literacy, if you will. Um, so I've, I've seen things like offering classes about like buying a house or teaching the foundations of finance. And that kind of helps you educate the young people in your community and kind of build that foundation for a better future for those people. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe a bank could um, renovate their lobby and start a WeWork style office. Oh, that's office, cool. Like a joint Like a co-working where... space. Yeah, exactly. You know, they open up a co-working space that allows people to use their printers, maybe their fax machine, yeah. um, especially if it's like entrepreneur startup, you know, maybe they allow them to use their meeting rooms. Mm -hmm. um, if it's like a head branch, maybe that's something they could do to build some business relationships and also reduce traffic. For sure. You could host a volunteer day. So those uh, things we talked about earlier, like maybe an abandoned building, or maybe there's an area of your town with like a lot of trash in it or a park with a lot of litter. Um, you could host a volunteer day where everyone kind of meets up uh, and then you all tackle that problem together and you help clean up your city a little bit. And then, you know, you're uh, getting people together. You're starting these bonds, building relationships and helping out your community. You could even do like, what if, 
you had a community garden <gasps> at your place. I love that. I it's like my dream fun. to have a community garden, but I know that I'm way too lazy and would never go deal with it. <laughs> but that'd be a very cool way to kind of educate people on, especially I think if you're in a urban area. Obviously, yeah. if you're in a rural area, people can have their own gardens. But if you're in an urban area, like a lot of people don't have lawns or a lawn big enough to plant vegetables. So yeah. That would be kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because like with me, and I know most of my um, friends, we all live in apartments. And yeah, there's really no space for that. But I would love, love, love to be a part of that. That'd be a good place. Yeah. I mean, if tracking students that were in college and mm -hmm. lived in dorms, that could be a good way to start to build that relationship. But what if you had um, one night a week, you invited tutors to come hang out at the bank and students could come get homework help? Oh, yeah. I love that. And then it would kind of give the parents some time, you know, go to a movie or something. Um, yeah. I mean, you don't want to be like a full-blown babysitter and maybe the parents even stay there. It's just that, you know, maybe the parents don't no calculus, right. but the tutor does. Yeah. And that's a great way to get, you know, the tutor in there to get the students into the institution and get familiar with them and also to get the parents visiting there. And, you know, one of the major things about, uh, or one of the major problems that community banks and credit unions face uh, is just the lack of awareness. You know, that people say that they would love to bank local, but they just don't know, um, you know, what institutions are in the area or what uh, products yeah. the institutions offer. So really anything that can get people in the door to build those relationships, I think is a great way to start um, addressing that issue. So if you've ever had a CSR campaign in the past, or if you're thinking about starting one after listening to this episode, let us know because we would love to follow along and see what you're doing on social media. And if you have any questions or any topics you want to hear us talk about in the future, please email us at social at